to be bouncing around through various scriptures to demonstrate what the Lord has laid on my heart. And I always open my message as I go to different churches to speak or as I minister to men that the Lord has laid on my heart this verse, Mike, you will always start with. Matthew 5, 27 and 28. You have heard that it was said by them of old times, thou shalt not commit adultery. And verse 28 says, But I say unto you, that whosoever looketh on a woman to lust after her, hath committed adultery with her already in his heart. So let's start right there. In the past, I was an adulterer. And I struggled with lust most of my life. You know, we think of the Israelites being in the wilderness for 40 years. Well, I was in the wilderness in this place, in this darkness, for over 40 years. You see, by, by the world standards, I was raised in a very good family. My parents were married nearly 49 years before Dad passed away in 2005. But my difficulties began as a teenager. When at the age of 12 or 13, I just pornography in our own home and what I realized is that that issue would consume me and grow more and more intense as I grew into a young man and into my adult life and so these words in Matthew from our Lord Jesus remind us that our eyes must always always be on him always on him because when our eyes are not on our lord they are getting us into mischief so if you transition with me into matthew 6 listen to verse 22 and 23 the eye is the lamp of the body If your eyes are healthy, then your whole body is healthy. If your eyes are unhealthy, your whole body will be unhealthy and full of darkness. And if the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? And I'm reminded with those verses, of John chapter 1 verse 5 which says the light shines in the darkness and the darkness shall not overcome it and who's that light who is that light it's Jesus Christ so 10 years ago June 2nd of 2013 I'll never remember that or never forget that day brother Sylvester spent two and a half hours with me now, now, granted, this is a man that I had never met. I had not met him. He had come to Jackson 
and was working as a contractor in the company I worked for. And the Lord sent him to my wife and to myself. Because our marriage was in trouble, in deep trouble, because of my sinfulness. And so as I listened to Brother Sylvester open up my life, revealing to me things that that I knew, of course, but had not shared because I walked in darkness. I walked with a veil over my life. And yet we know on that third day that the veil was torn. Right? The veil was torn. But yet I walked through my life wearing a mask, trying to hide what was going on inside of me, trying to put forth this perfect human being which was so far from the truth and so our eyes have to always be on our lord jesus and i would draw your attention to the old testament to job job in chapter 31 verse 1 through 4 says this i made a covenant with my eyes not to look lustfully at a young woman For what is our lot from God above, our heritage from the Almighty? Is it not ruin for the wicked and disaster for those who do wrong? Does he not see my ways and count my every step? So as I read verse 4, does he not see my ways? We know that the eyes of the Lord roam the earth. We know that the Lord sees all, hears all, knows all, everything that we do, everything. And the addiction I had to pornography was being done in the darkness. And while I thought I could fool my wife or others, I was not fooling the Lord. I was not fooling the Lord. And so as I read these verses, it reminds me of Hebrews 4.13, which says, Nothing in creation is hidden from God's sight, and everything will be uncovered before him whom we must give an account. And so, again, as I stepped through this journey, even though I had Brother Sylvester reveal to me the life of destructive behavior I had been living. Now, I had been married before. I had committed adultery before. I committed adultery more than a couple of times. And yet, I thought I could get away with it. And as Sylvester revealed to me that the Lord saw my heart, The Lord knew that I was ensnared by Satan, that I was trapped, that I was trying to dig out of this pit that I was in. And if I had my journal here with all the notes that I wrote down as Sylvester poured this out to me, one of the greatest things he said to me was such a blessing was that The Lord sees your hunger for his word and your yearning to be removed from this. 
But Sylvester also mentioned to me that the warning comes before destruction. I didn't heed that warning, family. I did not heed that warning. I continued in this behavior for about four more years after Sylvester had delivered that very strong message to me. And four years later, my career was ended. The destruction came. Now, I praise God. I praise God that it happened because that is when I was awakened completely. You see, I had been in church with my bride and my children. I had been studying his word, but I had not surrendered the entirety of my life to the Lord. And so the destruction came. After nearly 38 years as a middle manager with a very good reputation in a very large company, I was walked out the door by an attorney. Because my darkness had gotten so deep. Remember the darkness in Egypt. Remember the darkness in Egypt. That we're told that the Egyptians couldn't even see their hand before their face with the darkness that the Lord placed over Egypt. Now, when I sat down with that attorney on a Monday morning in January of 2016, he asked me one question, and I answered in truth. Because I knew the Lord was working in me. And so the conversation was short, 15 minutes, and I was walked out the door and never to set foot there again. And I knew because of the position I had that my career was over. Now, by the grace of God, by the grace of God, the company allowed me to retire. It was involuntary, but it was either take that or we terminate you. And with termination, lose a lot of other benefits. Um, One thing I should share is many years before this happened, (coughs) Sister Tammy you know, who, who knew the Lord and was, was strongly pursuing the Lord, was told by the Lord through Sylvester, do not leave your husband. I, this is the Lord speaking, I will deal with your husband. And he did. I stand before you today, a man completely surrendered to God. A man who now is a pastor. I was in Battle Creek giving this message two or three weeks ago uh, to a church there. And the reason I'm focused on this is not only because it's my journey, but sexual immorality is destroying our culture. It's destroying our culture. No matter where you look, no matter where you turn, whether it's a billboard as you drive down the road, whether it's social media in a variety of forms, whether it's mainstream television, whatever it is, it's placed before us. And back to those verses about our eyes. The intake matters. 
What we allow in, saints, matters. And so shortly after my career was ended, a good friend of mine who is now also a pastor asked me to lead a group that was going to deal with men who were struggling with sexual addictions, including pornography. And I led that group for about four years. And uh, it was powerful to see some of these men get their lives changed simply by using God's word. So when I speak to men, as I minister to men today one-on-one, or as Tammy ministers to women one-on-one, or she and I minister to couples, there's no quick fix. There's no program out there. Now, they're out there, but all I take is this holy word. So turn with me to 1 John. You, these verses are very familiar to you. Chapter 2, 15 through 17. Love not the world, neither the things that are of the world. If any man love the world, then the love of the Father is not in him. And this is, these are verses that resonate with me because I was successful. You know, I had a great family. I uh, had a great career, but, uh, and, I, and I wasn't considered prideful in man's eyes, but in God's eyes, I was prideful, right? I was hiding things from people. And so as I read on, for everything in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life comes not from the Father, but from the world. And that's where I was getting all of my pleasure, was in the world. And we know, as verse 17 says, that the world and its desires pass away, but whoever does the will of God lives forever. And so God has laid this on my heart and made it very clear to me that regardless of who I minister to and regardless of where I get invited to speak, the message will be around sexual immorality and the destructive forces at work in our culture. So think, think about the fact that these verses tell us the love of God is not in us if we are led by the lust of our eyes or the lust of our flesh. And in 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 7, verse 17 and 18, remind us, that we are to come out from among them. We are to be separate and touch no unclean thing. And God will receive us. And so you can imagine the radical changes that were made in our life. Um, we watch very little television because it's mostly trash anyways. And... Uh, I get picked on by our children, our grandchildren, friends. Uh, I don't use a smartphone. I use a flip phone. I use the old flip phone. Yeah, you could laugh. I, I'm okay with it. Um, I use the, what's that? <laughs> and, and family, I'm telling you, I can do everything I need to do. 
right? I send out scripture every day to 80 people. And I do it from a flip phone. And it takes some time to, to type them out, but I've gotten pretty good at it. <laughs> I've gotten pretty good at it. And my point is, not having that smartphone means I'm not tempted. I don't have to worry about an app or something else coming in that might tempt me to go backwards. Um, Sister Tammy and I have an agreement that if I need to do some research or do something on our computer at home, I don't do it unless she's there. And we've been doing that for years, and I'm okay with that. Because I see what the Lord is doing. Um, I, I have to share with you that one of the most difficult things I had to do, now we, we are a blended family. We have four children, three daughters and a son. And one of the things the Lord asked me to do four, four and a half years ago was to sit down with each of our children individually and ask for forgiveness. So you see, our children and three of whom are married, so our, our two son-in-laws and our daughter-in-law, they all know my story. There's transparency here. I don't hide this. I'm not embarrassed about it because I know what the Lord has done. And so as I sat down with the four of them and asked them for forgiveness, it was not because there was any direct impact to them, but I, couldn't, I could have been a better dad. I could have been a better earthly father. Now, we have great relationships with our children and grandchildren. But the point is, in the journey of healing, God will ask us to do things that might seem uncomfortable, might seem difficult. But we are to push through those things. Because if he asks us to do it, then he will carry us through it. Amen. Amen. So we need to do that. 1 Corinthians chapter 6. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, starting with verse 12. And I know that what's being put up on your screen is King James, and I have um, NIV with me this morning. Verse 12, I have the right to do anything. You say, but not everything is beneficial. I have the right to do anything, but I will not be mastered by anything. Hmm. Think about that. Now, in my Bible, I people look at me. My Bible is messed up. It is highlighted, redlined, written in. Um, and I have circles around, in that verse 12, the three references to I. Because for me... That means take your focus off of self. Now, I know the word here is saying I have the right to do anything you say, but everything's not beneficial. But for me, what I'm saying is take the focus off of self and put your focus on Jesus Christ. Amen. Put your focus on your spouse. Put your focus on your children. Serve others before you serve yourself. And so I've gone through a tremendous amount of humbling. 
when I was walked out of that corporate headquarters where my office was in, in uh, January of 2017, that was humiliating because of the position I held at that company. But I received it. I received it. And from day one, I knew that the Lord had taken this mess from me because I humbled myself, I took responsibility for it, was accountable to my wife and my children and others. I remember back when Sister Tammy and I got baptized. I told the pastor of the church we were attending at the time, and I, I was leading the men's fellowship there at the time. We were no longer at that church because God directed us to leave. Um, but I remember telling the pastor that as I stand before the hundreds of people that are going to be there that Palm Sunday when we were baptized, I said they, they asked us to share our testimony briefly. And they have someone read it. And I told him that my testimony, he knew my story. I said, my testimony is going to include the issues of pornography and the fact that my marriage to Tammy was almost completely over. We were in that bad a shape. And I told him, I'm not, I'm not going to hide it. I'm not going to sugarcoat it. It's going to be out there. And so I, I did. We did. And uh, a year later or so, <laughs> ironically, on a, on a Sunday morning in January, after we had come out from worship and we both felt uncomfortable going into that same church that morning, we had a phone message from Sylvester. And I knew right then and there that absolutely us leaving was the right thing to do. As you look at the rest of these verses in chapter 6, and I'm not going to cover them all in 1 Corinthians. Part of verse 13 says, The body, however, is not meant for sexual immorality, but for the Lord, and the Lord for the body. And 15 says, Do you not know that your bodies are members of Christ himself? That verse itself is redlined in my Bible. Because it's a reminder to me that my past, while I won't forget it, it does not define me. But it also reminds me in that verse that when I behave in a way that is displeasing to my Lord, that I'm actually behaving in a way that affects his body, that crushes me. And so as I, as I read these verses, I'm going to drop down to verse 18. Flee. Flee from sexual immorality. If any of you, if any of your family members, if any of your children, grandchildren, close friends, if they are engaged in things on the Internet on their phone, on a computer, apps, you name it. Challenge them. Challenge them. Um, you know, we, we are in a society that is 
going the wrong way, in a mighty way. And the Lord knows it. Our culture is behaving like Sodom and Gomorrah. And we know what happened. And so as I carry forth this message, flee from sexual immorality. All sins a person commits are outside the body, all other sin. But whoever sins sexually sins against their own body. Do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit? Now you see, back in the time where I was in conversation with Sylvester, I was studying God's Word, we were in church, I had the baptism of the Holy Spirit. So those verses didn't resonate with me the way they do today. When I can walk into a neighbor's home that Tammy and I served because her husband had a massive heart attack almost three years ago, still in a wheelchair, can't speak, can't eat properly, um, lots of issues. And the Lord has had us at their home often, praying with them. Um, the Spirit, the presence of the Spirit is just so powerful in their home and in us as we pray over them. And so when I read this and just implore to you, recognize, recognize, especially, you know, the, the children that are here, regardless of what age, recognize that this body belongs to Jesus Christ. Your body belongs to Jesus Christ. Do not allow others to do anything with you that is displeasing to God. It goes on to say that you are not your own. You were bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your bodies. And, and as I transition from that, I'm, I'm reminded of how Jesus treated the adulterous woman in John chapter 8. And that that story resonates with me for obvious reasons right the the sadducees the pharisees the priests they brought her before christ ready to stone her and what did he say let any of you are without sin cast the first stone and they all dropped their stones but more importantly what did he do for he did not condemn her. He affirmed her. He affirmed her and simply said, go and sin no more. If they do not condemn you, neither do I. And we have to receive that regardless of who we are, regardless of what sins we have committed. We have to receive that and know that in the fullness of our hearts that Jesus Christ does not condemn us. He does not condemn us. I'm going to flip to Romans chapter 1. And, and these, are, these are difficult scriptures, but they speak to our culture. But it also speaks to the immorality that I participated in. Verse 18 says, The wrath of God is being revealed from heaven, against all the godlessness and wickedness of people who suppress the truth by their wickedness, 
since what may be known about God is plain to them because God has made it plain to them. Now, I, when I opened in prayer, it's pretty obvious that we've come from winter into spring, into a new season, and new life is created before us. And when I think of this verse, I think about the things that are happening around the world where nations are behaving in ways such as ours. Um, I'm going to drop down to verse 21. For although they knew God, they neither glorified him as God nor gave thanks to him. But their thinking became futile, and their foolish hearts were darkened. And there's that word, darkened, darkness. Our eyes off of Christ, our eyes off of the things of this world, leading us down paths we dare not go down. And although they claimed to be wise, they became fools, and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images. Isn't that what pornography is? We disgrace ourselves, and more importantly, we disgrace our Father because of images, because of the mistreatment of human beings. Verse 24, so what does God do? Therefore, God gave them over in the sinful desires of their hearts to sexual impurity for the degrading of their bodies with one another. They exchanged the truth about God for a lie. That's what Satan does best, right? He's the father of lies. And worshipped and served created things rather than the creator, who is forever to be praised. Verse 26 because of this, God gave them over to shameful lusts. Even their women exchanged natural sexual relations for unnatural ones. In the same way, the men also abandoned natural relations with women and were inflamed with lust for one another. Men committed shameful acts with other men and received in themselves the due penalty for their error. So think about that. Um... AIDS, HIV virus, sexual disease. Do we think for a minute that these things aren't allowed by our Creator because of our behavior? Furthermore, just as they did not think it worthwhile to retain the knowledge of God, so God gave them over to a depraved mind so that they do what ought not to be done. There's not much self-control. We have individuals behaving in ways that not only disgrace the Heavenly Father, but make a disgrace out of our culture. Think about the things going on. Um, LG, LGBTQ and all the issues around that, all of the transgender issues in our society. Um, I just, you know, we don't, we don't watch much television, and I don't see much news. 
But I saw a clip the other day on the Christian Broadcasting Network. An 18-year-old young man, I think he's a senior in high school, in Canada, so it's not just the U.S., in Canada, suspended from his high school because he went to the principal on behalf of the female students because there were a couple of boys, high school boys, transgender girl, wanting to use the girls' locker rooms and girls' bathrooms. And this young man, who is a Christian, with two other girls, went and challenged the principal. Here's what was shameful to me. The name of the high school, because I don't remember the the city that they were in, but the name of the high school, St. Joseph's Catholic High School. The principal had him suspended indefinitely, this young man, because of his faith that, I guess, uh, I presume the Catholic Church is teaching from the Scriptures. And when the new school semester started and and this young man presumed his suspension was over, he went back to school. They had him arrested for trespassing. And then when he went with this and organized a protest in the city he was arrested again now he has I'm not sure who the organization is you know we have organizations here in the United States like the Heritage Foundation the Freedom Fund other things but this young man does have representation from a a national group um, where Christians are being persecuted and so he is because he's in court this organization is representing him And that's just one example. The state of Washington just recently passed laws that if your children run away from home and they happen to find them, take possession of them, you would think that through child protective services, whatever, they'd return them to the parents. No, they passed laws that if that child says they don't want to go home, they're not going to tell the parents that they have their child. And if that child says they have an interest in transgender-related surgeries, they're going to make it happen without telling the parents. This is in the U.S., in the state of Washington. These issues that I'm speaking of this morning are overtaking our society. And the church cannot continue to be silent. The church has to stand up and speak out. Because do you think all these other groups are sitting by quietly? No, that's why these agendas are being moved forward. And and (laughs) I'm not a drinker. Um, I don't drink anymore. And uh, a gentleman that I've been ministering to the last couple years, uh, I spent a couple hours with on Friday and shared with me that Budweiser... Bud Light. And I see some of you nodding your heads. I didn't know this. He shared it with me that Bud Light is using a transgender athlete to help market their beer. And so these issues, saints, are permeating our culture. And they are in complete contradiction to these holy scriptures.
I want to go to uh, 1 Timothy chapter 4, the first couple of verses. The Spirit clearly says that in later times, some will abandon the faith and follow deceiving spirits and things taught by demons. Such teachings come through hypocritical liars whose consciences have been seared as with a hot iron. Are you following your conscience? If you're in God's word and you're allowing his word to speak to you, to speak through you, then I know that your conscience is alive and well. Because God will speak through your spirit, through your conscience, to guide you in all things right versus wrong, good versus evil. And these things that I'm speaking of are definitely evil. It's the wickedness of our culture. I succumbed to it for over 40 years. And as I said earlier, finding pornography in the garage of your home that was your father's, your earthly father's, and knowing that he never spoke of those things, but yet, and I, on the screen, right, in the King James, hypocrisy. Now, I love my dad. Um, he's been gone 18 years. I lost mom a couple years ago. Um, great parents by the world standards. But we were not raised in the church. Once we were beyond elementary school age, we were not raised in the church. We did not pray together. We did not read the Bible. And so while I knew of Jesus Christ, and I believed, I did not deny that he didn't exist, I did not have a relationship with him. And as, and as lust took up residence within me and pornography fueled that, I've shared part of the story. My life was a tailspin. And frankly, as I'm away to hell. But by the grace of God and my beautiful wife, Sister Tammy, and her perseverance and her strength in the Lord, um, he's restored our marriage. And we are in ministry together. And uh, we've seen other couples that we've ministered to. We've seen their marriages I won't say they're completely healed, but they are in that healing process. And so, follow your conscience. You know what is right and wrong. Don't fall for the lies that I fell for. You know, Isaiah spoke to Hezekiah back in Isaiah 38. And I'm not going to necessarily go there, but I just... There's one verse there that I know is a, a strong one from Brother Sylvester, and he's, he shared it with me years ago many times. Put your house in order. Amen. That's what Hezekiah was told. Put your house in order. And fortunately today I have done that. I know that my, my sister Tammy will, will tell you and tell others, has told Sylvester when he's asked her, who's your spiritual head? Mike is now her spiritual head. 
uh, because she knows Christ is my spiritual head. Our children, um, they see it. Uh, Fortunately, we are blessed that all of our children are, are in some relationship with the Lord. They're not all where we would like them to be, but I've had the privilege to uh, to lead our oldest daughter to the Lord. Uh, Tammy's uh, had uh, similar conversations with our two youngest, uh, Austin and Katie. Um, our second oldest daughter uh, accepted the Lord a few years back. And one of the greatest blessings that we've received here just recently is our six-year-old, soon, well, soon to be seven, seven later this week, granddaughter, um, was sitting, uh, I was... Uh, pastoring for the past couple years at Redeemed Ministries in Jackson. And in November, I was giving a sermon, and our granddaughter, Marinley, was was with us that weekend. She spent the weekend with us. She was in church. And normally, she's sitting with the other children, and we have to remind her to be quiet and be attentive. But that morning, she was sitting by herself. And... I was giving a message, and and at one point in the message, I I made a brief statement about the sheeps and the goats. I wasn't speaking to that scripture, but I just happened to uh, mention it. And Marinley made eye contact with me at that very moment. And later that afternoon, when we were home, we were, the three of us were sitting down for a meal. And after we were done, Marinley came over over to Grandpa at the kitchen sink and tapped me on the hip. And she was whispering. She said, Grandpa, Grandpa, I need, to say, I need to tell you something. And she said, I'm all warm inside. I said, what? Uh, Grandpa obviously wasn't tuned in. She said, I'm all warm inside. My heart's all warm. I said, really? And a few minutes later, she said, yeah. She said, I asked Jesus into my heart at church today. Six years old. And it gets even better because she, right, she was bouncing all over the place all afternoon. We're taking her home. Her parents uh, live down near Coldwater. So we're, we're, we're driving towards home, and we stop to get gas. And I'm out pumping gas, and she's in the car with Tammy. And she tells Tammy, she calls her Mimi, she says, Mimi, I'm no longer a goat. Now think about that. This is a six-year-old girl. I was not explaining the scriptures of the sheep and the goats. But when she asked the Lord into her heart, the Holy Spirit explained to a six-year-old the only way the Spirit can, that she was a sheep, not a goat. And what a, what a blessing that was. And so I want to share a verse um, from Hebrews chapter 12, because I just read this in my morning devotions two or three days ago, but it just resonated with me so much. So I wanted to add this to this morning's message, because I, I see myself in this verse in a, in a mighty way, thanks to God. Now, no chastening for the present seemeth to be joyous, but grievous. Nevertheless, Afterward, emphasize afterward, it yieldeth the peaceable fruit of righteousness unto them which are exercised thereby. 
that resonated with me because when I finally fully surrendered myself to the Lord, his work in me and through me was almost instantaneous. And we have seen so much fruit from the changes he has made in our lives. And so that verse just, uh, just resonated with me in a mighty way. And I'll close with this final verse from Luke. Chapter 11, verse 28, says this. Blessed are all who hear the word of God and put it into practice. You see, I was studying the word of God, but I wasn't applying it to my life. I thought I could hide things. I thought I could get away with some things. And so I just encourage all of you, no matter what your battle is, no matter what your challenges are, no matter what burdens the Lord lays upon your heart or in your path, stand firm. Stand firm. Because if he has allowed it, then he will push you through it. He will give you the strength to persevere through it. Praise God. Let us close in prayer. Heavenly Father, we just, uh, we just praise you and thank you. We want to honor you and bless you because you alone are worthy. In the name of Jesus, I pray for your strength, your blessings, just the unlimited goodness from the riches of your kingdom upon this body of believers upon this ministry, that they will continue to glorify your name through their words, their thoughts, and their actions. Father, may you just keep them. May you sustain them. And may they have the unexplainable peace that comes from your presence within them. I speak this today. In the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, amen.